Hey there, it's Jason. Welcome to the Jason Wright Show, where the mission is very simple. It is to improve always in all ways. Look, I am on a mission to create the absolute best version of myself. And through the Jason Wright Show, I let you know everything I'm doing to make that happen. I interview incredible, remarkable, brilliant individuals from all different walks of life. And I also try to bring you tools, tactics, and protocols that will help you in your own personal mission to improve always in always. Now, let's get started. Already, all right. So, look, I just push record because if we, I mean, we this is good, this is good banter. I love it, Jesse. So, all right. So, tell me. I, so, I, I do show up today, and I, I, every time I talk to you, I notice you've got a jersey in the background there, a basketball jersey, and then there has been one added. And yeah, oh, tell us what you have added to your jersey collection. Well, Jason, yeah. So, I did not own a single piece of sports memorabilia until last year. I've lived over the last 20 years between Los Angeles, New York City, back to Los Angeles. And like so many people who have infiltrated the state of Texas from the West, I am one of those people. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I'll just go ahead and say, I, uh, I'm sorry. I know we're responsible for pricing of houses going through the roof, what have you. But I promise I came with good intentions, came to raise a family. We got this nice big house instead of living in townhouses and apartments like in New York City when we lived in a 700 square foot box that cost four grand a month because you're living in the heart of the city. Now we have a 4,000 square foot home that our mortgage is what our rent was for that little place here in Houston, right? It's amazing. So I was like, I want cool stuff for my office. And it all started on the right hand side over here. You can't see it, but there's a famous sports piece of sports history when Robin Ventura charged Nolan Ryan on the mound. I, I was watching that game, dude. Absolutely. So my first week in Texas, I was at a sign. I was at an event. I, I work in insurance. It was an insurance industry event, and it uh, they had a silent auction. And I looked at the crowd, and I was like, I don't think anyone's going to wager on this this picture and it's literally the picture Nolan Ryan, Robin Ventura and it's signs don't mess with Texas Nolan Ryan. Love it. And I was like, what better way to like break an homage to Texas in my office than Nolan Ryan getting Robin Ventura and the only time anyone got seven hits off of Nolan Ryan right? That is beautiful. Can I I just tell you something funny real quick about that that's so genius on your part? Okay, so Whenever I moved to Tyler from Houston, you know, I grew up in Sulphur Springs. And so I'm an East Texan by my fifth generation East Texan. But whenever I first moved back to East Texas to a smaller town, I'd go to church and stuff. And people would be like, where are you from? And I would say, well, I moved here from Houston, but, but, but I'm from Sulphur Springs. I'm one of you. I'm not one of those big cities. I'm one of you. So you with that, with because I know the poster, it's literally, it's, it's Nolan on the mound. He's got, he's holding Ventura like this. And he's, I mean, you see, he's about to beat him. And that was so oh, yeah. freaking awesome, which is crazy for me because I grew up whenever Ventura was at OSU and everyone started trying to hit like the OSU guys because they were masters. They held this 
heating camp. And so I'd always loved Ventura up until that point. And when you mess with Texas and when you mess with Nolan, yeah, that's a no-go. But much no-go. like much like me making sure that all these East Texans knew that I had East Texas bona fides, you show a Texan that picture and you're like, all right, you may be from the West Coast, but yeah. I think I think you're a good refugee. I think you're one of the refugees that that we can we can deal with. I love it, man. You know, I, I didn't bring you know I didn't bring politics with me. I didn't bring uh, you, you know uh, a snobbiness with me. Uh, I do like a good cab from time to time, but you know that's we'll, we'll leave that here or there. So, anyways, big Lakers fan. So I, I got Shaq behind me. Got Magic behind me. Those were the next two pieces of memorabilia I got. And literally last week, I got a pretty bummer text. And that text was Bobby Knight had passed away. Uh, and before spending my years in LA and New York, I was raised in Indiana. So, uh, and I'd been sitting on actually inside of, inside of an order, I was sitting on a red chair that was signed by Bobby. And this jersey that was signed by Bobby. Well, Jason, we're of the age. We know Bobby Knight throwing the red chairs, the character, the leadership. Uh, But then I realized I'm 43 and anybody under probably 35, they're going to need an explanation for why I have a signed red chair by some guy. They have no idea who it is. This, however, reads three national championships, five appearances, 11 Big Tens. It's easy to understand. And uh, I got it for a very, very reasonable price. In fact, when I tell people how, oh, I'll tell you, I got it for 200 bucks. Oh my God. Like, very reasonable. Yeah. And literally, this was like 10 minutes after he passed away. I hit order, got online yesterday. It was already selling for 500 bucks. There you so go. you know what this means. I can tell my wife, my jersey collection is an investment. There you, absolutely. Very well done, sir. And you know, we had... And we had Bobby Knight in Texas for a little while. I mean, look, then Texas the Tech is not a, Texas Tech is not afraid to bring in some characters. We had Mike Leach, and then you had Bobby Knight. And you no, know, I remember growing up, man. I was never a big basketball fan until the uh, the uh, the Final Four, or this, I'd start watching around the Sweet Sixteen. That's whenever my buddies and I we would start. That they liked it more than me, but that's whenever I would get involved in those those magical Duke years. You know those the late eight late eighties, early nineties kind of. That's when oh, I would, yeah. Christian Leitner. Oh yeah. yes, yes. Hill. Those you, are some great years. Have you seen that documentary? Everybody hates Christian Leitner. Of course, so good. It's so of good. Course. And I had forgotten about Christian Leitner until I saw that. I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot about that name. And he it was Bobby, so big in college ball for, dude. for a minute. And, uh, and Bobby Hurley, all those guys. It was so good. But anyway, but so yes, I grew up with, you know, just knowing. And then, of course, when you're like you and I, that's kind of what we'll, we'll touch on in this conversation is just being self improvement junkies. You read about all the leaders and you're going to, you're going to come across Bobby Knight. And granted, he's used like, Carol Dweck actually used him as kind of the fixed mindset uh, example in mindsets, which I, which I, I kind of get it. I mean, Bobby Knight, he did what his team reflected on him. I mean, he was big on that, but dude, he was he was a legendary. He wanted to make a great team, great players, and in fact, Michael Jordan talks about this in his biography because Jordan played for him in the '84 Olympic team, right? And uh, 
Jordan came on board and he was willing to, to, to fall into Knight's system because he knew that Knight just demanded perfection and wanted the team to win. Yep. And a player like Jordan, I mean, he wasn't the greatest in 1984. He was drafted third pick, right? Coming out of North Carolina. In high school, his sophomore year, he didn't make varsity the GOAT, right? Yeah. Greatest of all time. We got stories like this for a day. Tom Brady, you know, getting drafted sixth round, et cetera. It's, it's, it can be easy to miss these guys. But someone who knew he was as great as he was willing to fall into a system, because Dean Smith from North Carolina wasn't all too different from Bobby Knight. Right. And dropping your ego, what do they say? Egos no amigo. And the second you, you can drop that ego and move forward, that's why the greats become the greats. There's uh, something great about it. I mean, even like with what Magic was able to do with, with those Lakers years and, and, you know, falling in the way that he fell, leadership under Pat Riley. Uh, but there's just something about great leaders who can make great players that can make great teams that can lead to championships. It's uh, it's a repeatable and duplicatable form. And I love like, and, and it can be done in so many different ways. Like, you know, you have Phil Jackson who did it his way. One of my mm. favorite examples of leadership, man, that uh, coming from, you know, where you, you moved in from uh, John Wooden, dude. I love oh. reading about coach Wooden. Uh, he was also a Hoosier. It, that's yeah. exactly right. That's exactly yeah. right. And you know, it's, it's cool. So by the way, the, uh, I don't think it was my most recent episode, but Mitchell Cohen, who has been on my show a number of times, he's like this. He's he's one of my buddies I bring on, just a guy that just is constantly trying to optimize health, wellness, mindset, and all of it. Uh, he's mm. a he's a fellow Hoosier. So uh oh, so Italian. Indiana repping, baby. So that that's good. That's right. The Hoosiers, there's something about us. Yeah. Well, and I tell you what, one of my favorite of the uh of uh, Indiana's uh, favorite sons is Larry Bird, Larry Legend. Oh, Larry that, Legend. That dude, the more I learn about him and his work ethic, um, one of my favorite stories I use all the time, and it was told by, he's the guy that's now the, like the ambassador of NCAA basketball for Nike, legendary coach, and I'm just completely blanking on his name. I'll probably think about it halfway through the story. He was probably, one of yeah. He was one of the Olympic coaches and they were wrapping up practice and Larry Bird asks, can I get a ride home later? Cause everybody's leaving. They're, they're loading up on the bus yes. and this is, this is the Olympics. Right. And so he's yeah. not like, and, and he wants to stay and practice longer. I mean, the, the one, arguably the best player there and then was the first one in, in the gym the next day. And and you these stories about him. And then one, another one I always use is apparently he was doing some commercial one time. I just used this here recently in a blog post or something. He was he was doing a commercial, and Larry Bird had to purposely miss a shot, and it took him something like fifteen shots. This is McDonald's commercial with Michael Jordan. There you go. It took him like yeah. shots to miss. He could. Yeah. It was easier for him to make a shot than to miss a shot. That's awesome. I just love it. I, I tell a story a lot. That's a true story about Kobe. And Kobe, the Lakers would have high school gyms open wherever they went to play because Kobe would go make shots when the bus got where the bus was going. So land in the plane on a bus, bus to the hotel. They'd get Kobe a gym so he could go shoot. 
And Kobe would shoot. This was his religious practice, you know, three times a day. And uh, there's just something about these guys who work harder than anybody else. There's a reason they're as good as they are. Yep. It, it's not an accident. And that's Michael Jordan as well. He he would outwork everybody. And he talks about this on a regular basis. I think this is why Michael Jordan was not a very good NBA. Oh, yeah. And I think this is pretty easy. To, the, the stats are what the stats are, right? And you know, Charlotte just is not a great team because he thinks everybody should work as hard as he worked. And, and they just don't. They don't, right? Chris Bosch tells the story of Kobe where when they were on the, the, the Redeem team, are you familiar with this story on the Redeem team and Chris Bosch? Oh, I'll, I'll say it anyways, just for oh, folks who maybe yeah, haven't heard it. Uh, Chris thought that he was going to beat the team down to practice and be the first one to show because he wanted to be a leader for the uh, Redeem team. For those of you who don't know, in 2012, uh, the Olympics, the American basketball team was coming off of an embarrassment in 2008. They uh, didn't win gold, greatest league in the, the history of basketball. The NBA produced players that got beat, I believe, was by Spain going off of memory, but don't quote that piece. Uh, so Chris Bosch comes down to practice and he sees Kobe already has ice on his knees and sweat all over his body, realizing, oh, Kobe's already done a full practice and I thought I was going to be the first one here for this practice. Yeah. This is what makes greatness. It, it's not an accident. Exactly. It, there's something about that. You, you build and it's really a mindset. That's really what it is a reflection of. It's, it is. I was going to say, like we mentioned, you mentioned it earlier. Um, have you ever watched Tom Brady's combine tape? Or like there's, there's, a, little com there's a little compilation of Tom Brady that it shows like, and it takes a lot of clips from the combine. It's 40 yard dash. It's hilarious. He, he's like running as fast as the offense, offensive lineman. I mean, it's terrible. He, I mean, he never could. Uh, Maybe as fast. Oh, it was horrible. And like, from what I heard out of this shirt up, but suppose like the, the picture that they take of them with their shirt off, you know, like he does not like that picture being shown. Cause I mean, he was rocking like a bad dad bod even back oh, then. It was a dad bod. Oh, it was a total dad bod. But, wasn't TB12. It was not the form that you see today. <laughs> oh, not at all. And, you know, I remember I just did a deal. I posted something this week that uh, Ed Sharon, he was, and I'm not a big Ed Sharon fan or anything, but he played for the John Graham or whatever that British talk yeah. show uh, is. And he's playing a, a, a recording of when he was first starting out. And his point was everyone thinks that everybody just has natural talent. And they don't really have to work. He said, no. It's not true, and he plays this 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 line where or a, a part, an old recording of him, and it is awful. He sounds terrible, and that's and that's why the the ones that become legend versus the ones that just we never hear about again. That that work ethic, it absolutely is the difference, man. And and it is, and you know, one of the thing that you talking about Jordan, the last dance, you know, it was not fun to be his teammate. I mean, and because of what you're talking about now, and he, but Jordan even said, I will never fault someone who, who fails, but I will, I will take issue if they don't try. And yes. so, 
His deal was if he believed you were a teammate, that you were out there fighting as hard as he was, hey, Jordan's not going to jack with you. But man, those poor guys that just were not giving it, he was an ass and they hated playing with him. But I mean, he's Jordan. And and then, oh, and then, so bringing up another good movie, dude, have you seen the the new Nike movie about uh, with Ben Affleck? And uh, of course. Well, Shoe Dog is one of my favorite books of all time. I've never read Shoe Dog. I need to read it. Oh, great book. But the, the, the snippet of it about Jordan coming on, the uh, the movie captured it perfectly. Really? And it took the whole movie. Like, it took two hours just to tell that story. Yeah. Wow. And how beautiful is it that, and first of all, just in this era of going in, so anybody that hasn't seen it, in this era of going into movies where you just don't know, am I going to get preached to? I mean, is it what's going to happen? I mean, everybody kind of goes in with this, like, this kind of tension in their stomach. Dude, that is just an unbelievable American success story. I love, and, and here's the deal. The here, the hero of the story, I suppose, is Matt Damon's character, the guy that's, you know, kind of the old scout rope. Sonny? Yeah, Sonny. But then you've got yeah, Sonny Picaro. Jordan comes in at the end and it just, it really makes you understand in just such a short period of time, to your point, the greatness of Michael Jordan, that that kid at the time and his mom, dude, the force and the brilliance of his mom. I did not know that. I didn't know that she was the one that basically said, no, here's, here's how we're going to do this and change the game forever. And then what was it? I mean, he's making some just obscene amount still off. Or Jordan. The reason he's a billionaire. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it, his, his pro contract, I, I think the number is under 100 million, is what he, Michael Jordan, in his career, made under $100 million as a professional basketball player. And, and think about contracts that are going out today, where you have guys on, on four-year deals right now, 150, 200. It, it's... 250 million. You, you are getting some astronomical figures these days. In the 90s and the 80s, the, the contracts were not like this. It was a big deal when Magic made a million dollars. Magic was the, the, the first player, I believe he was the first or second to get, it may have been Bird who was the first, but they got the first million dollar contracts in basketball. Yeah. And they were hated by teammates for getting this money. And just the evolution of, of the payments, but Jordan made it himself through the, through the shoe contract. And thanks to Mama Jordan it yep. is really what it all came down to. And, and I really like what you're talking about. Like th- this is the spirit of the American dream. Yep. Yep. Is well right here. It's that this, if you read Jordan's biography, it, it's a really interesting book. And, and it, you know, tells the story of, you know, his, Great grandparents came, you know, for all intents and purposes from indentured servitude, a generation before that slavery to, you know, his parents are now closing a deal with a multinational corporation that's going to set him up to become the first billionaire athlete. Like, <laughs> imagine if you could invest in that stock. Right. Oh, man. And this is a family who didn't come from anything. And, you know, weren't giving the, the, the typical, you know, like the varsity blues that were happening a couple of years ago, parents buying their kids way into college. Right. That, that this was all hard work, moxie, asking for the order, 
kind of, you know, sales 101, business 101, go out there, grab it, ask for it and run with it. And, and they really, uh, I, I think, embody what the American dream is. And a lot of these kids coming up today through the league and, and through sports athletics, and they're now adopting business and getting ready to take on that next chapter and become business people in and of itself, I think is just a wonderful evolution. You know, we've gone from broke the classic story of athletes losing it all within four or five years to now athletes creating generational wealth, creating businesses, making investments. Uh, and Jordan was really in magic and Larry, uh, these guys set the roadmap that generations can now follow. And uh, I'm a big believer that this American dream is still alive. You, you, I think there's a lot of negative naysayers out there. Oh, the American dream's dead. You can't do this. I think can't is a four-letter word, Jason. And I know you embody this spirit. Uh, we won't say what the other four-letter words are. I don't want to disrespect your audience. But, dude, I, American dream is still alive and well. And watching these like athletes being one example of folks taking it and running with it, it is one of the more beautiful things. I could not that, agree that's more. Up there today. I could not agree more. I think that this is and this is what's sad to me, Jesse. When I see these people that are so down in the mouth and the naysayers, it breaks my heart because, brother, there has never been a better time for the human experience than right now. What we're living in, and it, it kind of it's kind of a double edged sword. It's because things are so good. You've got guys like us. Okay, and look, not to pat both of us on the back, but I like to feel like. I don't, I was not naturally gifted with a lot of the things that I would love to have had to been, you know, to, to do whatever I have to, I feel like I have to work harder than the guy beside me to get to where I want to get to. But here's the cool thing. What I see is there are more tools available. There are more ways to learn to, to optimize health, mind, spirit, body, all of it. And I'm like, I'm like a kid in a candy store. And so it breaks my heart whenever I see these people that are just not going and getting it. There's, I mean, there are more entrepreneurs now than there have ever been. There are more opportunities. I told my daughters, man, whenever they were finishing up undergrad, uh, and I, I was like, girls, you got to understand if you want to get out there and you and go take your corporate jobs, go do what you got to do, but never, ever, ever underestimate your ability to do your own thing. There's never been a better time. And so, okay. So here, that's a perfect segue to, because I know you're like me in this regard. So we watch guys like, Tom Brady, Magic, Bird. Now, I mean, I get to see up close, but because you know, he's from from here, and um, we have a, a close circle of friends. Patrick Mahomes. I know how that guy works. Mm. We see that, and I know for me, I will, and I'll like watch the the great coaches. Nick Saban. You know, my daughter graduated from Alabama. I I was a fan before. I was a total t shirt fan. I went ahead and dropped, you know quarter of a million bucks to send her there so I can now be more of an official fan since I didn't get to go there. So hey, I'm all you in. Paid for your, yeah, you, you've earned it. Okay, good. And I watch guys like that and I want to figure out ways to apply those principles <laughs> in the business world and just my daily life. So I'm going to throw the ball back to you. I know you're the same way. What does that look like for you to say, Look, I don't care what anybody says. The American dream, it's alive and well. 
and I and what tools I have, I'm going to use, but I'm going to I'm going to enhance them and make them better. I'm going to be the Tom Brady of the business world and share it. And, and what what are you doing in the in the in the business world, and how are you applying those principles to to do that? I have a very long and a very short answer to this, and, and I can give you both. I I, I don't know what, what time you're working with here. Or what go for but, it, um, brother? More the better. That's the beauty of, of a podcast, man. This is long, hey, dude. All right. Well. I have an inspiration and then we'll talk about tools. My inspiration that, that I feed off of, and not a lot of guys can say this, or I don't know, maybe a lot of guys can, but my father-in-law, uh, my father-in-law, my wife is from Zimbabwe and my wife's entire family still lives there. And uh, her parents were raised in a period that, that would be the equivalent to apartheid. They're a, a black family in a country that is uh, controlled by a very small white minority. Uh, he wasn't, and he was raised in abject poverty. Didn't have his first pair of shoes until he was 13 years old. Did not he wasn't he wasn't allowed to walk on a sidewalk until he was 16 years old simply because he was black. Hard stuff. However, he is very, very, very intelligent. And he will, like you said earlier, he will outwork anybody. And, and through a series of fortunate events, he was able to get into a boarding school and he was able to get an education. He was the, he, he tells me this whenever we get together, just because I love the story so much. And I can't wait for my kids to hear it, realizing this is their grandfather. He uh, was the only black kid in his classes. And the, the way he was able to get to university is he couldn't afford, so he was at the sporting school for high school and he couldn't afford to go home during breaks. So he volunteered at an orphanage down the street. So he'd have room and board. And the orphanage needed a new roof. And so he went to the priest that ran the orphanage and he's like, hey, what can we do to raise money to put a new roof on this thing? And the, uh, oh, by the way, I should mention this, there's a civil war happening in his country at that time when Rhodesia is becoming Zimbabwe. So there's a civil war happening, talks to the priest. Hey, you know, what can we do to get a roof? He's like, you know what? I bet I could get a sponsorship. I know some people involved with Coca-Cola. So long story short, and it's already going to be too long. He ends up getting Coca-Cola to sponsor him and a white guy to run what is the equivalent of a marathon a day for three days in a row from where the orphanage is to the capital of what is now Zimbabwe and uh, which is Harare. And they ran that over the course of three days, running through a war zone, mind you. And uh, they, they made it. And at the end of the race, the, the priest walked up to both of them with an envelope and it was a full-ride scholarship anywhere in the British Commonwealth he wanted to go for university. So this guy who didn't have his first pair of shoes until he was 13 was now able to go anywhere in the British Commonwealth he wanted to go for university. Well, he ends up getting uh, his way into the UK uh, has no money besides the scholarship and uh, figures, oh, I can DJ to make money because he would go to a bar. He saw that the DJ was making money and he was like, oh, I can do this. Uh, so he ends up like learning how to become a DJ. The first, his first job, this is actually a good story. His first job, he goes to the barkeep and he's like, hey, I want to DJ. And the guy's like, do you have experience? He's like, no, but I can do it. It's like, well, the guy says, I tell you what, if you can fill up a Tuesday night 
you'll own Tuesday nights because I can't get anybody in here on Tuesday nights. So he was buddies with a bunch of the rugby players. He bought a case of beer after rugby practice, got everyone over to his house. They start drinking. And he's like, oh, hey, guys, I'm throwing a party at this bar. Come on. Fills the rugby team at the bar. All the girls follow. And he packs the bar. This is Herbie in a nutshell. And ends up getting back to Zimbabwe. Uh, the things change. Uh, Zimbabwe gets its independence. Herbie eventually goes on to chair 10 publicly traded corporations in the course of his life. Wow. It, the guy didn't have his first pair of shoes until he was 13. And having somebody like that in your life that you like, whenever you think, man, odds are against me, you can't go to your father-in-law and be like, oh, you know what, man, the odds are just against me. I, you know, it's, it's not working. He's like, the odds are against you? Yeah. What do you mean the odds are against you? Let me tell you when the odds are against. And so having that in your back pocket, you kind of have a kick in the tukus on a regular basis, especially now that I'm marrying his granddaughter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so so I, I keep that story in my back pocket whenever I start to feel like, man, the odds are working against you. Or man, you know, I don't know if I can. Or man, I think I can't. But, it, but in terms of tools of achieving the American dream, I am a very, very lucky person, Jason, in, in the fact that for a living, I work with insurance agents. And I, I think the insurance business is one of many entrepreneurial endeavors that is that has a low barrier to entry, if this makes sense. I don't need Harvard MBA to become an insurance agent. I could be an immigrant that doesn't have a high school degree, let alone a college degree, barely speak the language, but have a ton of hustle, a ton of moxie, the ability to ask for the order, and the ability to learn. I, did, I didn't say I have to know how to do math or I have to know how to do science. I have to have the ability to learn and the open-mindedness to learn. And if you have those things, you can open up shop as an insurance agent. If you can pass a licensing exam and they offer it in English, they offer it in Spanish, they offer it in Vietnamese, they offer it in Korean, you, you have options available to you. And then if you can work with a company like the company that I work with, and you have the ability to get appointed to insurance companies. So you, you have now tools, you have things that you can, you have widgets, you have widgets that you can sell. It, my job is to help these people achieve the American dream because they now have widgets that they can sell. And it is the dopest thing in the world, dude, because they are now out there building a business and we, we give them the tools to sell. We train them what the products, what products are good to sell. We train them on how to cross sell. So now you're not just selling one widget, but you're selling multiple widgets to those consumers. And we give them all this access, all this training. And these are the tools by which we help people build the American dream. And it is alive and well, dude. What I found to be our most successful agents, and this kind of bums me out, but it, it is a lot of immigrants because they come here they don't have a lot of options and they're like i'm gonna do this and they crush it they 
demolished the dream in such a good way. And, and it's just such a blessing to be able to work with folks to help them do this. And I feel like that I have a responsibility now to, to share with people, you can do this. Don't, don't let your own internal barriers stop you because that's all they are is internal barriers. And yeah, the, the avenue's there. And a lot of people are, are coming here and showing that the avenue's there, if Art? that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And aren't the, uh, going back to the whole immigrant, um, uh, discussion, if I'm not mistaken, it's something like a first generation immigrant in America is four times more likely to become a millionaire than someone that was born here. I mean, it's, 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 in, it's really insane because they come here. And again, I think that speaks to what we were talking about earlier about the American dream being alive and well. Okay. First of all, the, uh, the boats are usually coming into America, not many going out and the That's ones it. and the ones that are getting here and they're, they, they come and like, I love, like you mentioned New York, whenever you live there. And by the way, I've got a daughter. Oh, this is cool. Sidebar. We'll put a pin in it. So Abby, my youngest daughter, she's working for a wealth management firm on fifth Avenue. Literally she can throw a rock from, from, from her building and hit uh Trump tower. She told, she sends us a text last night saying, Hey, do you guys know who Isabella Rossellini is? And I'm like, well, of course I know. That was the Lancome lady. I mean, she was like, you know, Isabella, are you kidding me? It's Amy Bergman's daughter. So, well, she's one of our clients and she's coming in today. I had no idea who she was, but I get to meet her tomorrow. I'm like, well, that's awesome. So anyway, very cool. Yeah. It's so cool. But Whenever, so we're in New York a lot, not because we were there before. And that's one of the reasons why she wanted to work in New York because we, we hang out in New York quite a bit. And when you talk to some of the, the cab drivers and the, uh, the bodego owners and stuff like that, 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 and you can hear that, that, that true immigrant story of we came here and we couldn't believe what we were able to do. We, we came here and we was like, are you kidding me? That are you, you're really going to let me make this kind of money? You're this, this opportunity. And that's what they love. It's you're saying that if I do this, that's cool. I can make as much money as I want if I'm willing to work. And it's really, and I, I that's why I'm so glad my, my, one of my business partners and uh, dear, dear friends in life, uh, Gus Vickery, he's on here every Friday on Authentic Health Fridays. And he says, he's always saying, uh, never curse the day, the days of small beginnings. He said, never curse the days of small beginnings. And, you know, as someone who I was a first member of my family to go to college. Now, granted, I had a great life. I do not come from, I, I don't come from any form of poverty, but here's what I did have the cool experience of. So when my mom and dad divorced. I went literally from the good side of the tracks one week to the other side of the tracks the next. So my mom, uh, who came from nothing and when the, she and my dad divorced, I mean, over there, dude, I was hanging out with the kids who were getting the free lunches and they were my, yeah. my buddies. I knew, I knew no different. And then the other half I'd go to with, with the other half, the, the kids that had all the normal things that they would want. And so I got a picture into that. And so I was the same way to a, to a, like a little bit of a degree whenever I was in college. It's like, oh my God, you, you're kidding me. I will do anything to stay on campus. I will do anything to work here, do whatever I have to do to stay. I'm not going home. And yes. that's how these, and and so you take that I think to a level eleven, and that's what you see with these folks that come into America and they, and they've got like your father in law. I would love to sit down with him and pick his brain about uh, uh you things. Oh, and we'll just, make it happen. We'll oh, make it happen. Please, please, and, and dude, maybe we need to get him on the show. He, I would love to hear that. Yeah, then, 
it's like, man, I, I think that's so encouraging, Jesse. It's one of the things I loved about um, real estate. You know, my first real business was buying a real estate company. Same thing. It was because low barrier to entry, didn't take me a ton of money to get in. Uh, I didn't have to, I, I mean, I had my undergrad degree from Stephen F. Austin State University. And I was like, I can do that. And then one of my favorite stories, dude, Sheila Turner, uh, who's, who's now Sheila Cooper. She came to, uh, it was so funny, man. She comes to interview with me and she's a paralegal at the time. And she's telling me she's getting her real estate license. And she said, whenever I get it, I would like to come work here. And I was like, absolutely. You've got a place here. Just keep me posted and we'll kind of, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be prepared whenever that day comes. Well, then she calls me in tears one day. The attorney that she's working for finds out she's getting her real estate license and fires her. Now, Sheila's still doing her job just fine, but the, the attorney fires her just because she's like, well, if that's what you're going to do one day, you're out. I said, no problem. I said, come over. We'll get you started. I gave her some of my house listings because I didn't want to be a competing broker. So I would always, you know, if, yeah. if, if I had listings, I'd, so I gave her, dude, that lasted for 90 days. And then Sheila never looked back. Now, this is a girl that grew up as a sibling of six in a single wide trailer in Eustis, Texas with no formal education. I think she'd gone to maybe TJC to become a paralegal. And she just, and to watch her just take the bull by the horns and take the opportunity before her and just out hustle, out work and just seize the opportunity. It was so awesome. And so I get it, man. When you see that happen, it is, it's just something magical. And to the listener out there, it's available. So now, so that puts you, now you're kind of the Bobby Knight over at, at Agility, which is where you are, I know. And I don't so know if I'd say the Bobby Knight, but well, uh, I mean, you know, you're much kinder. One, one of the people. You don't, you don't throw chairs at the agents or anything like that. <laughs> but like, so, so what are some of the things that you're doing to, like, we know those, I love hearing, you know, how these athletes prepared. I know you and I, the first time we met, we kind of geeked out immediately on, your biohacking and all this. So what are you doing to leverage your assets to stay physically, mentally? Just, I love getting the behind the scenes and go as deep as you want, dude. If you want to talk about your morning routine, whatever, I th those are fun. I love hearing that. You know, I think something that gets lost with people that now we are lucky that we don't work in a factory, right? And we, uh, you know, I think about my brother who, he, he was a prison guard at one time, working 12 hours a day at, 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 the, uh, at the prison. We get a little bit more flexibility. Yep. But I, I walked out a period of time to exercise at least three days a week, if not four or five, right? I tried to work out five days a week and I'm pretty religious about it. Blocked in my calendar. If you have the ability to control your calendar at all, whatever it is, no boss is going to care if you are going to work out for an hour. Go work out, go exercise, whether that exercise is taking a walk, whether that exercise is going and doing Tabata, you know, 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off, 30 seconds on, 15, whatever it is, go lift weights. You have to do something to take care of yourself. And so in my calendar, I literally block out busy periods not busy periods, me getting some exercise in. My, uh, my supplement routine is incredibly simple. It's incredibly simple. 
I don't know if these guys sponsor you or not, but they should if they don't. Athletic Greens. Oh, I take, yeah, uh, love it. Oh, Athletic Greens on a daily basis. Take five milligrams of creatine. And uh, if I need to, I'll, I'll take uh, alpha brain by on it. Yep. Yep. Very, very simple, but I also think incredibly effective, right? That's, uh, you, you don't need a lot, in my opinion. I, I think you have a couple of extra, um, a couple of extras that I should maybe consider. What, what, what do you think? No, knowing that I, I have this minimalist approach to my supplement intake, uh, what am I missing or what's one or two key supplements you think I should look at or think about taking? Knowing what well, I take now. Well, first of all, you, you're getting the single. You're you're getting the one that I tell ever. If, if if people say, "All right, Jason, I only want to take one thing now," and this is where I differ on my with, from my buddy Gus Vickery, who's a physician. Uh, not that I disagree with Gus. It's just this has always been my my take. But the five grams of creatine, money. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's what I tell everybody for it's cognitive big. health, for recovery, for longevity. Five the the five grams of creatine. I also. I'm going to do my daily my daily dose of athletic greens and what I make a green monster shake every single day. So I'm with you on that. Um, I want to get I want to get back to the um, Alpha Brain by Onyx because I've never taken it. I know all about it uh, from Aubrey Marcus and in in uh, and yeah. Hogan and, and 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 I've listened. I've never taken it. I've never taken any nootropics, which I guess that's a concerted nootropic. But it is. Uh, it yeah. is. And I, so I want to talk to you about that and kind of get some, get your take on it. I would say, man, dude, you're, you're fine. What I, now, now I also though, for me, I would consider again, this is folks, I'm not a medical professional. I'm not making a recommendation, but some niacin at night to, to, uh, to stay really well oxidized. Um, also I would, um, L glutamine. I think that would be good. You know, things that really uh, NAC things that yeah. encourage, um, blood flow that encourage, um, mitochondria health um l-carnitine i just did a mm -hmm. uh i just did a quick little in-between episode on why i take l-carnitine and essentially that was the, the reason why is to strengthen my mitochondria and to increase and then any like glutathione that's one. god how could i miss that so that's another one jesse i would say everyone listening check it out is and you have to be the the, the one that i take is from um, Oro, A-U-R-O health, uh, that was developed by, um, that, that, okay. So my, my Nayan Patel who created, um, Aero, A-U-R-O, Aero health is his company. I'm always afraid I'm going to mispronounce it. He's the one who created the ability to do topical application for glutathione. Glutathione, you can't take it orally. So if they're, if they're and it's on the market orally, but it's not going to metabolize in your body. You're just going to, pee it out so it has to be topically given but this but glutathione is your body's master antioxidant so as we get older our bodies are going to naturally produce less and so therefore you want to strengthen that and just as as far as kind of that overall staying healthy and recovering quicker i think that's a big one if you're like you and I, and you're a little younger than I am, but as we get older and our body starts to produce less testosterone, DHEA is a really good um, testosterone supporter. Um, and and also, and just so the listener knows, I'm going to send this to you. Um, Gus and I, and it's, it's his work. All I did was make it pretty. 
we created an entire body composition handbook where it has his complete sup his basic supplement stacks that mm. uh, that he's put together, and that's just kind of what I go on. So I'll send you that whole list. But those are the ones, and then I take the uh, omega threes and and that sort of thing. I don't think I'm missing anything. I'll take a B12 complex, which by the way, okay, here's another thing too. I mentioned niacin. If you're going to start yeah. taking niacin at night, make sure that you get the flush free. Otherwise you're going to wake up and feel like you got a sunburn in the middle of the night. It is that weird. Makes sense. I didn't yeah. know that. And I was doing a double whammy, dude. I didn't realize Ooh. it, but I was taking a B12 complex at night plus yeah. niacin. And I would wake up and literally it felt like I was just, my body was burning. I didn't know what was going on. And Gus said, well, yeah, here's what you're doing, dude. And uh, even it's like the, drinking three Red Bulls. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, yeah. So those are those are some things. But now let's get back to the alpha brain. Talk to me about yeah. what is it? How How has it helped you? Nootropics in general, I, I've messed around with quite a few. Mm-hmm. And I found that alpha brain for me gives the most predictable result. There's uh, no stinkiness to it. It's not a caffeinated feeling. There's no caffeine added to it. I don't know. I don't know all the ingredients that go into it, but it does help me get into zone a, a little bit easier than I naturally would. Um, I try, I, I drink coffee. It's whatever, right? I am. But outside of coffee, I, I don't have a lot of stimulants in my life to try to try to get me going. And I, I've noticed on days where I want to be in the zone and work hard. Um, so the, this period of the year for me professionally right now, there, there's just a lot going on with open enrollment uh, in the healthcare world. So I, I need to be on on a regular basis. I cycle in and out of nootropics. I don't want to become dependent upon them. So if I find myself that I've gone two or three weeks regularly taking them, I'll purposely put them away for a month. I, I just, and I don't know if there's any, this could all be mental. My, my opinion on anything that is placebo or in your head, if it's in your head and it works, it works. Yeah. That's all I care about. Right. And, uh, but for me, putting them away, it's the same thing with creatine. I cycle in and out of creatine because I don't want my body to become dependent upon it. The only thing I take without cycling is athletic greens, mm-hmm. just just because I know my body needs that input. I've messed around a little bit. You talked about DHEA. Mm-hmm. Uh, I cycle in and out from time to time. It's been... It's probably been a year or two since I, which is why I didn't even think to bring it up. It's been a year or two since I've taken any, like anything to mess with my testosterone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've been really lucky, at least I feel lately through uh, my exercise routines and dietary habits. I, I, I feel that normal, like I don't need that extra pick me up or that extra kabang. Um, but there'll be a period of like six months from time to time where I'll, I'll take DHEA or testosterone. Uh, yeah, stuff to help out with my leveling of testosterone. Sure. I think another part of it is like, no, you know, I'll, I'll drink wine from time to time and margaritas from time to time. I enjoy a good time. But um, just as of like this last year, haven't been putting them back as much, you know, consciously. So that, I think that also has a lot to do with, with not, you know, I, I know when you drink alcohol, it messes with your testosterone levels. So I think me just, uh, you know, a, a glass of wine for me it happens once a month now instead of like a couple times a week. I, I yeah. think that's probably the easiest way to put it. 
Uh, so yeah, big believer in nootropics and just their ability to help put you in the zone and help get you where you want to get. And what feels to me, same, same shot, and I'm not a doctor. I, I sell health insurance through other people. That's that's the closest I come to, to access to care. But I, I, I'm a big believer. We we have these tools at our resources. We should use them, right? Yeah. And, and you have people who will go out and buy a case of beer, crush that in a couple of days, and, and do that on a regular basis. You know, why would I not spend that money on something that's going to make me feel good on a regular basis versus like a Band-Aid for pain? If that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. That's the reason why I gave up drinking altogether, just because um, I wanted to be as, I wanted my mind as lucid as possible. I wanted to really, I mean, go all in on longevity. And by that meaning, I don't want to just live as long as I can. I want to live as healthy as I can for as long as I can. I kind of that. that, you know, like I want to really, really reduce those marginal years that, you know, Peter Tia has a great video out that where he shows where like you go so long and like it's extending that below that 50% activity threshold. Like once you drop below quality of life uh, at 50% right now in America, we're really good. at if you get below the 50% activity mark or, or life enjoyment, we can keep you in that for a long, long time. Well, that just kind of sucks. So here's, yeah. you know, cause like the perfect scenario is you go, you go, you go, and then boom, you drop dead. You know, as opposed to you go below the 50% and then you just have this long tail end of like ending up in a, in a home or whatever. And so that really got me to, I got really dialed in on that. And that's where all of this kind of came from with it becoming yeah. the closest thing I have to a hobby. One of the things I didn't mention was berberine. I really do. Um, I will take berberine now. A lot of people will take it. It's been said before. It's like the poor man's Ozempic. Um, I don't think that's necessarily the okay. case. I take it for um, for blood sugar management. I've learned that as as we get older, I want to make sure that I maintain really really heightened insulin sensitivity. Um, I learned a little bit more about insulin and blood sugar than the average person, just because uh, Abby that I was mentioning that works in New York. She was diagnosed a, a number of years ago with type one diabetes. And so you learn everything you want to know. Yeah, it's it's a brutal, brutal disease. And so, you know, I, so berberine is one of those that is a part of my kind of my staple protocols. Yeah. Um, and then I think, I think that's it. Now, what is, what is something, because I've got some of these, it's kind of funny looking back on my journals and stuff. What's something that you used to do religiously that, you no longer do either because it just kind of ran its course or you changed your opinion. You got anything like that? Something I used for fitness, for lives, anything, maybe like just a, just a, a habit that you thought was really, you had to do to make you better. And here's why I'm asking this question. Do you follow Tim Ferriss at all? Of course. Okay. Most of the guys in our, in our <laughs> OG. Yeah. yeah. He is the OG biohacker, human guinea pig. He's going through a phase right now where he's backing off a lot of the stuff that he wants to. It's kind of what I love about Tim. It's like yeah. go all in on something and give you all the reasons for it and then decide, you know what? It's no longer adding quality to my life. So I'm back up. And one of those things, and Mitchell Cohen, who's also a fellow Tim Ferriss, um, consumer uh, that, that I mentioned earlier was on the podcast yeah. from IU. 
he uh, he's going through a phase where he's like, I'm not so, I'm going to stop trying to over-optimize my life. And that's kind of, I, I want to get there. It's hard for me. It's really hard because, yeah. I mean, look, I'm not saying everybody has to do it, but for me, it just kind of, it's fun. It gives me purpose. If it, if it were drudgery, I might think differently, but I like finding those things. So Tim's going yeah. through a phase now where he's, he's kind of backing off some of those. I was wondering if you had any of those things that like once were like a staple of who you were, whether it's when you ate, what you ate, how you exercised, something you read that you just like, yeah, I don't do that anymore. And my life hasn't changed that much. You, you want to know that this is going to be a very, this is the truth about Jesse. I didn't become who I am today, or I didn't even start to think about life the way I think about life today. Until probably my early thirties. I'm 43 now for reference. Okay. So, all right. That's good. I, what, 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 this is, I partied a lot back in my day. Okay. I had a huge sense of entitlement, a huge ego. I thought everything deserves to be mine. I thought I went to the restroom and roses came out. Right. And what hit me was a couple of major failures in life. So I, I started my career as a teacher. And uh, if you ever saw the movie Training Day, oh, that's not, of course, but that's the neighborhood my kids came from. Oh, wow. And I, so loved the kids. They were great. Um, but I wanted to become a businessman having no idea what a businessman was. Uh, so I left teaching and became a, a financial advisor. I won't say the firm that took the risk on hiring me, but uh, jumped around a couple of financial services jobs. 2008, 2009 comes. I get let go from a job and my ego just got demolished and crushed. I thought I was going to be a golden boy in business because I was the best and the coolest and the smartest. Man, I was probably drinking like a bottle of wine a night. Like, I'm not joking. It just like not taking care of my body, uh, jumping between jobs, unemployed for a while. Uh, just my car got repossessed. It, it was, I had my ego checked pretty hard, right? And then Somehow, some way, I, I had this insurance license, started a company with a buddy, and we experienced a little bit of success in that company. Uh, in 2016, I, I sold my interest in that company and was helping a buddy build a call center. And this is when, again, I thought I was like a golden boy. I was a master of business, man. Like, I at this insurance thing figured out we could not get this call center off the ground. And I was just like, what the hell is going on? I thought I had this thing figured out. I've experienced success. I'm a six-figure earner and I earned it myself because it's my business. I went and knocked on doors physically to get those to get those lives. And then ended up in the corporate world for a little bit and went from being like the, the CEO and president of a company to being a sales executive at a health insurance company. Um, and, and it was after the series of failures, uh, you know, then some success in there in between, but 
the failure really taught me like, dude, you really know nothing and you need to open up to the wisdom of other people. So it's probably 20, 2011, 2012. I started listening to podcasts very regularly. Tim Ferriss shows you speak at him. I was one of the first ones I jumped into. Uh, I actually have it right over here. I read Awaken the Giant Within. It's still one of the books that I keep like right there. Tony. Uh, Tony, dude. (laughs) (laughs) It could be a death metal singer if you wanted to. (laughs) But, you you know, you talk about, you know, what did I used to do that I don't today? I think I stripped a lot of the ego away. Hmm? And stripped a lot of bad behaviors away to, you know, at this point in my life, if I don't exercise, I feel wrong. Hmm? 15 years ago, I had to force the funk Mm -hmm. because I'm smoking cigarettes and drinking a bottle of wine at night and just not taking care of myself, man. So, and my ego was here and, uh, I think at the top of the show, you heard me say, ego's no amigo. I, I've really embraced that. So I, I, the reason I had trouble, you know, immediately coming to like, hey, what did you used to do that you don't do now? I can tell you what I believed then that I don't believe now. And the, the answer to that would be, it's not roses that come out of me when I go to the bathroom. It's I, I have had my ego checked multiple times through a series of failures and by finally stepping back and realizing one, that failure is an amazing teacher. Two, I'm going to get so much more out of life when I provide value to others versus trying to extract value for myself. And, And three, when I realize that I get some of the most joy in my life outside of my kids and my family, The most joy I get is making other people smile and helping other people succeed. Those three things are are the things that I instituted and learned from and have made me the person I am today, which I think is an exponentially different person than you would have been speaking to 15 years ago. And with that, folks, that's the Jason Wright Show, dude. You can just drop the mic right there. That's gold. I mean, seriously, Jason, there's so much gold there and I can relate to it so well and I, that is not where i was going that's that's a cool thing i think that just that was perfect because so much of like i get the whole ego thing if if you were to ask me looking back on your life you know what you know we always have that silly thing where people say if you could tell your 20 year old self one thing what would it be i would say you're not nearly as special as everyone has made you to believe you are and two you better fight your ego first. I mean, like Ryan Holiday says, the ego is the enemy. Ego is the enemy. That, that yeah. book is, is uh, fantastic book. because, because here's what ego does. And it sounds like you and I were very similar. I, so get this. And I've got a book over here. It's kind of funny. My, the first book I ever wrote, push play, taking your life off pause. And it's about my escape from corporate America into entrepreneurship. And now, well, it goes into the story of whenever I kind of went through my transition moment. First of all, I'm sitting in my office one day. I just lost a congressional race. Okay. I ran for Congress and I'd sold a business, sold it too soon. Uh, my marriage had ended. 
I divorced after 17 years um, and had two daughters that were the, my life. And I sat in my office by myself one day and just felt like the biggest loser. Felt like my life was just like what? And on paper, I had done all these cool things. I had started businesses, sold businesses, been on city council, all these things that from to the outside looked great and yet inwardly felt like the biggest loser because what I realized is exactly the same thing, Jesse. All those things I had done were to feed my ego. It was to look successful as as opposed to just putting my head down and figuring out what real success was, what real fulfillment was, which you will always realize if you really want to know how to be happy and full of joy, you, you mentioned it, man. Don't focus inward. Let those eyes turn outward and figure out how you can be of value and encouragement to others. And that's when this, that actually during that time, whenever I was in that valley, man, I feel like I was the biggest loser and finally realizing, dude, quit trying to look like you're, quit trying to play up to this image that you've created and reinforced and just, just accept who you are and just be. And I'm sitting in my office one day and I pick up that book, which is very much geared towards encouraging people to take the leap, not not to go into self-employment or being an entrepreneur necessarily. That was my story. But at the time it was like, hey, I don't care who you are or what you're doing. Create a blueprint for your life. Kind of like what Tony talks about. If your life your life blueprint doesn't match where you want to be, change the blueprint. Well, here's the deal. Change the blueprint. As I opened that book in my office, my own book, first two things occurred to me. One, what a jackass. Who did I think I was at 35 to even write that book? What an arrogant jackass. Folks, still a good book. Buy it by the dozen and give it away for Christmas. It's, it goes really nicely next to a commode. Great corporate gift. Great corporate gift. But dude, first of all, I was like, what? I, I would read through. And the more I read it, the older I get, the more I read and realize, dude, that ego was coming in hot. But then secondly, i I felt myself kicking my own self through my book in the in the rear to like, hey, you stop, just be real with yourself and 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 get things in order. And so it was then that I told I called my editor up. I said, hey, I want to do an updated version of the book. I want to start a podcast, help build an audience for it, and then slowly started gaining back. And then it was you know not long after that at all. I met Jimlin, this beautiful girl that had never been married. I was never getting married again. I was like, no way. My Ryland and her Abby, they're my only, the only women in my life. I will never marry again. I was single for five years. And um, and all of a sudden, by a chance introduction from a friend, Jimlin agrees to go to coffee with this old dude with two kids who thought he was damaged goods. He's in his 40s. She's like, at the time, 34 and beautiful and single, never married and successful. Like, why would she ever look at me? And and just all of a sudden, whenever I just decided, you know, hey, here's who I am. I don't care what you think. And dude, it's the reason, I mean, there's so many things that I used to do throughout my life that were all just overcoming imposter syndrome, overcoming that fixed mindset. And so I get it, brother. I get it. And that's why, you know, Beth Moore, Christian author, she used to say so many people walk through life in the witness protection program. And it's true. And then if you want to get all scientific about it, it's what Carl Jung always talked about. You know, the, the shadow self, we all walk around through this world with a mask. When you can take that mask off and just be real with yourself, dude, life's so sweet. So that was cool, man. You, you went down an awesome road. Thank you, sir. Thank yeah. you. Um, I do have to get back to my day job, though. Well, 
And, I think, uh, I think we both probably should. And you're, uh, and so I've got to head over to Nacogdoches like right now if we hang up. And uh, let's do this again, dude. This was a lot. I would love that. Thank you, first of all, for having me, Jason. Love your content. It's uh, it's done with the with, with the intent that uh, I can get behind. So thank you so much, sir, for for doing what you do, and thank you for having me on. You got it, brother. All right, folks. Thanks for listening to the Jason Rice Show. He's Jesse. I'm Jason. Keep improving, always and always. We're out. Well, that does it for this episode of the Jason Wright Show. Thank you so much for listening. This has been a Texas Titan Media production. Fourth Wall did the music. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Please consider going out to jasonwrightnow.com and signing up for the Vitruvian Letter. Also, please go out to iTunes. It takes like 30 seconds to just leave us a five-star rating. It does wonders for the podcast. I would be so grateful. And with that, until we meet again, go crush it and endeavor to improve always in all ways. I'm out.